Hello, Fight fans, and welcome to the Hollywood Brunettes Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Matt, the store brand Keanu. Alongside me is my tag team partner, the Danimal. How's it going, Matty? No Danimal this time around, as he's got the little grappler on the way, but the show must go on. AEW all out just on the horizon here. I'm going to run through the fight card and give you my predictions. Let's start off with the pre-show. First match I have listed, AAA World Mixed Tag Team Championship. Ty Mello and Sammy Guevara versus Ruby Soho and Ortiz. I hate this matchup. I've seen it twice already. I do not believe that there is another level to add here. I think this is honestly just an excuse to get Ruby Soho and Ortiz involved in any way in this card. Um, I do have high hopes for this actual championship in the future. I think it's just a matter of reintroducing which couples are actually open in the AEW universe. Um, Spoiler alert, I think Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford are actually future earners of this title. Uh, But in the meantime, yeah, there's no way that Ty Mello and Sammy Guevara drop this one uh, this early into their reign. Next one, the pre-show FTW Championship Hook, the champion versus Angelo Parker. I really like this booking in the sense that Angelo Parker, uh, him being the bebop and rockstay of the JAS, along with his partner, Matt Menard. Um, In this instance, I believe that Hook is going to get tested for the first time, really in his entire reign thus far. Uh, He's not going to drop the title once again, but... Angelo Parker's right, the skill set where he'll actually be able to show us what hook light looks like a bit on the receiving end of some punishment. So um, it'll be excitement in the regard that we'll actually see what hook looks like as a true total wrestler beyond just doing the squash matches that have drawn him so much praise thus far. Next one, the pre-show All-Atlantic Championship pack the champion versus Kip Sabian, as I had mentioned before. Uh, Kip Sabian, I like that gimmick he'd been doing with the box head. I thought that was really comical. Um, having it debut, him re-debut, I should say, against Pac for the AEW audience is a bit troubling to me in the sense that I don't see Pac dropping the belt this soon. Again, into the All-Atlantic reign for him. I had gone on record before saying that this championship was mainly conceived as an excuse for Pac to have something to rep AEW when he's wrestling overseas, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. I'm glad to see Kip Sabian getting back on television, and like I said, I do believe that there's a lot of potential for him moving forward, being kind of the Safeway Select version of Seth Rollins for AEW. I also really hope that they pair him back up with his wife, Penelope Ford, and they challenge for that AAA World Mixed Tag Team Championship, like I had mentioned, because I think that that fits more in line with where they are in terms of a draw on a card. Uh, having him already leap back into the fray and immediately take a championship off a of pack, he of having defeated Kenny Omega clean outright, uh, just seems odd to me. Next show, one on the pre-show, Eddie Kingston versus Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, the biggest head I've seen in professional wrestling. Um, you know, I'll just say that it feels like the AEW superstars never drop any match to anyone from New Japan. Um, I'm sure that there's some nerd out there who can correct me on that. And if you're out there, I hope you do. But um, yeah, I feel like 
Kingston lost to Ishii overseas. They'll come back. Kingston will win this one. Again, this is an odd booking to me because this feels like it was thrown together really more as a result of Sammy and Eddie having their off-screen altercation, which supposedly led to Eddie Kingston being suspended from what I understand. So once again, not very excited about this one, but it's a pre-show for a reason. And, you know, the fans do adore Eddie Kingston. So any excuse to have him come out and have what will more than likely be an incredibly violent match is always going to be well-received, particularly by a live crowd. But let's move into the actual pay-per-view here. We have first one I have listed, House of Black versus Sting, Darby Allen, and Miro. I had really hoped that it was going to be Miro single-handedly laying waste to the House of Black, but Sting and Darby pairing up with him to take it on and make it a true trios match makes total sense to me. I believe that in this instance, Miro will probably come out victorious, um, I say that, you know, especially amidst the rumbling that Malachi Black has asked for his release from AEW. I believe that part of that may be stemming from, you know, the fact that he hasn't been well utilized in major promotions thus far and being asked to drop um, another match to a uh, collection of Sting, Darby Allen, and Miro seems on brand with that for me, particularly with Triple H now back to booking excellence. It seems over in WWE Universe. So I have Miro, Sting, and Darby taking this one. I'm sure it'll be violent. I'm sure there'll be some big spots. But I, again, I had really hoped that it was just going to be Miro single handedly laying waste to House of Black. And I certainly hope that it ends with this match here. But I strongly believe that that probably won't be the case. Next match, we have Wardlow and FTR versus Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, this is one of those wrestling nerd matches that I'm a big fan of and i always praise tony khan for being able to make them happen motor city machine guns i'm not too familiar with their work but from what i understand are highly heralded and again it's a great excuse for me to be able to get a chance to watch an aew product and see some of the best wrestlers currently going competing on their cards uh wardlow and ftr are some of the hottest acts going in aew i see no way that they drop anything to jane lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns here because it just makes no booking sense moving forward. Um, again, should be a very well technically executed match. Um, should do nothing but help bolster Wardlow and FDR, who again are already very high up in terms of crowd pop. So um, good booking here. I, I appreciate that. And actually curious to see how much the Machine Guns are present in AEW moving forward. Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs. This is an odd one because I can see perks to either side winning this one. I'm giving the edge here to Powerhouse Hobbs only because I see less potential for booking for him if he were to lose this one. I mean, I suppose you can always do the wounded, angry, big you know, routine, which has always historically worked out okay. But Starks is just so beloved as an individual. I think actually the sky's the limit for him now that he's been freed up from Team Taz. Um, you know, again, he, he's Safeway Select, you know, Rocky Maivia, or better than Rocky Maivia. Let, let's call him the rock fresh out of Nation of Domination. Um, I really think that he's just starting to be fully embraced by the AEW fans and you know, one thing that I'll say is part of the way you do that is being kind of the underdog champ who's always kind of being knocked around. 
making the comparison again back to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The Rock, you know, in many of his matches, I remember him getting his ass whooped and actually losing more often than I do recall him actually coming out on top. But he was so damn charismatic and he carried himself like a champion so well that you tend to forget it when you look back in history. So I see Ricky Starks very much, like I said, in a smaller package equivalent of that. And so I don't think that him absorbing a loss to Powerhouse Hobbs is going to be all that much of a hindrance on his continued growth. Uh, my biggest concern with this one is if they somehow continue to involve QT Marshall in the factory. I actually don't have a problem with QT Marshall in the factory, unlike some AEW fans. However, I will say that I just do not see why they need would need to interfere in a match like this that really is supposed to be a bad blood feud between two former stable mates casino ladder match this one it's a kind of a collection of all the guys you wanted in the pay-per-view but didn't know how to fit them in as most ladder matches would be you have claudio castagnoli penta el zero mio you have ray phoenix you have andrade el idolo rush Wheeler Yuta, Dante Martin, and one wrestler to be announced. Um, you know, I every time there's a wrestler to be announced, I always assume that it's going to be Zack Ryder or Matt Cardona, whoever you want to refer to him as, um, just because I, I feel like he's one of the biggest names going who hasn't been featured on AEW yet. Um, you know, but I have absolutely no certainty on that, just like I am have no certainty of how to pronounce Penta El Zira. Zero Miedo. Um, who that last wrestler to be announced actually is, it's more than likely going to be somebody currently on the AEW roster. Um, you know, this would be a fantastic place for MJF if he actually still is with the company, which personally I kind of do believe, uh, to make his triumphant return. It just makes too much sense to me that, you know, it gives him an excuse to come out, run multiple promos for whenever the eventual title shot that the winner of this match receives comes about. And that's kind of what you want to do with MJF is giving an excuse to run his mouth constantly. So that's kind of my guess. There's also a part of me that would love to see the big show Paul White come out and clear house one more time. Only for nostalgia's sake. I don't think any fan in the building actually wants to see that. I don't think most fans of professional wrestling want to see that anymore. But um, just because it's always comical when you just get some super big appear in one of these hodgepodge matches. Regardless, whomever that actual combatant is that is the unannounced one, that's who I see taking this match. Um, casino ladder matches with some of the talent that you have in AEW are always entertaining and expect some huge pops. And I love the addition of Claudio just because he can do so much physically and I expect huge things from him in this one. But the winner of this is going to be whomever that announced talent is, in my opinion. Next match, we have Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy. Uh, you know, Jungle Boy referring to himself as Jack Perry going into this match, I think, is a huge indicator of what the future holds for him. I think that Tony Khan really has to face reality that, you know, the pillars are really wanting to get their due sooner rather than later. Um just in the sense that, yeah, it worked for a while bringing in the old savvy vets, but as you're seeing with some of these savvy old vets, uh, the free agents, that their bodies are brittle. They're older wrestlers. There's a reason that some of them were available. And so I think that each member has really made a case that 
they want what they've earned now as opposed to putting it off like some may have hoped. So in this case, um, I think he's making the transition from the Jungle Boy moniker, which was fun and cute and perfect with the Jurassic Express tag team. But eventually he will be Jungle Jack Perry. And this frees him up a bit more to go into singles competition, particularly because my prediction for this match is going to be Christian Cage coming out on top with the uh, Luchasaurus being the reason that he wins, uh, turning officially on Jungle Boy. It just seems to make the most sense to me. Um, I strongly believe that, you know, not only does it free them up from that tag team, but it also allows Christian Cage to fall back into his role of being more the manager than rather having to maintain his in-ring prowess. I mean, he is still incredibly talented. He's still good, but I think that he's at his best when he's on the mic and just kind of being the sinister planner in that regard. I also would not be shocked if behind the scenes there's been talks of him potentially maybe not renewing whatever contract he has to rejoin WWE at some point, only with the success of Edge once again and with AAA at the helm. I really don't see them resisting the urge to get Edge and Christian together one last time particularly when they're still able to go at a pretty high level. So um, much like you saw with the Hardy Boys returning to AEW to a huge fanfare, I could really see Triple H pulling out the stops to make that happen. Um, Again, I have no proof of that. That's purely me talking out of my own hopes and dreams, but um, I really could see Christian Cage making one last pit stop in WWE before he calls it a career, and him dropping this match uh, leaves him free to do so in the near future. Next match I have listed, Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho. Uh, this is going to be a fun match. Uh, Jericho and Danielson still go remarkably well, despite all of the batterings those two have taken over the years, despite the fact that they have still are wrestling through injuries. I tend to believe that Danielson almost has to win this one only because Jericho is so damn interesting in so many different ways that he can absorb a loss to just about anyone versus Danielson who just lost not 100% cleanly but to Daniel Garcia and I know he did that to help Daniel Garcia go over. I know he's spoken very highly of him behind the scenes but there's no way you allow him to drop multiple matches like that because Then the talks of him having to retire have to surface based on his injury history, particularly coming off a pretty extended absence. Uh, If Jericho does pull that out, I see that maybe be the well they go back to with Danielson, maybe blame it on a nagging injury. I expect Daniel Garcia to appear in some facet. I don't think he'll interfere because they're teasing him becoming a babyface, and I think eventually he will particularly because his style does fit in more with Blackpool Combat Club than it does JAS at this point. Again, I can't see any reason that Danielson should lose this match in terms of future booking, so I'm going to go with him. But it should be highly entertaining, and I actually expect Jericho being risen to a higher level, even higher than he displayed against John Moxley previously, because I think that Danielson is a talent that will actually help him display so many of the great in-ring abilities that had earned him his Hall of Fame resume to this point. Next match, AEW World Tag Team Championships, Swerve in Our Glory, the champions versus the acclaimed. 
I love that the acclaimed are getting their due. I think they're fantastic to watch. Um, I still don't see them taking the titles just yet. Um, I think that in general, I, you know, I alluded to this previously when I was talking about the pillars, but um, in general with wrestling, it's always historically been a sport where the younger talent are held down. And I really think that you almost have to do it in the case with Keith Lee and Swerve because the whole reason they're holding the titles in the first place is because they signed them with no idea what to do with them. They're too good to just have them wrestling random mid-card matches all day. Um, and they do offer some pretty cool, innovative action. I think that this is going to be more of a match utilized to allow the acclaimed to be featured on a higher stage than they're accustomed to being featured on. They're probably going to push them very, very hard um, and earn some respect in the process. I expect the guns to possibly show up and cost them this match. Um, if not, then they will lose clean and outright because Swerve and Argori are that good. Um, but yeah, I, I love that the Acclaimed are getting this match. I don't think they're quite ready to take the title just yet. Next match, TBS Championship, Jake Cargill versus Athena. Uh, this kind of feels very similar to the women's division, like uh, I had mentioned with the um, FTW Championship match with Hook and Angela Parker in the sense that Jay Cargill is finally going to get truly tested. I see Athena actually pushing her pretty close to her limit, but ultimately I see Jade winning out. Um, I really like what they've done thus far with these two in the sense that they actually feel like a budding feud. Um, we'll just have to hope and see that if they actually manage to continue that momentum or if they drop it all together after Jade wins this one, which is my prediction for the match. AEW World Trios Championship, the Elite versus Hangman, Adam Page, and the Dark Order. Uh, so many different ways you can go with this one. This was kind of the dream booking that everyone saw coming when the trios were first announced, um, and that Ten had hinted at an injury with his knee early on in the tournament. Um Kenny Omega, you know, I love how they've brought him back in the sense that he could potentially be a hindrance in the sense that they may look like he is inc wrestling incredibly hurt, incredibly beat up. But as far as I'm concerned with the trios championship, we already saw the best match you're possibly going to get with Kenny and Osprey uh, going to it, um, which is what makes booking this one so interesting because... I think that really the Kenny Osprey thing is going to happen in the future. I think that that was set up beautifully. I also think, though, that it sets up in a way where Hangman might get this one over on him, particularly because, you know, Osprey would have pushed Kenny to his limit if he is truly still as beat up as they are framing him out to be. Um, I could see them actually doing that largely, too, because the Dark Order has been absolutely decimated in terms of their membership with folks not being renewed and now Colt Cabana being transferred to another uh, division altogether. So I'm actually kind of leaning towards Hangman and the Dark Order taking this one. Um, there is a small part of me that also could see the Elite taking it only to be the inaugural champions of the World Trios Championship, but... I really, really, really kind of am leaning Adam Page Dark Order on this one, so I'm going to go with my gut here. Next match, Interim AW Women's Championship, Tony Storm versus Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida versus Jamie Hayter. 
Uh, I'm giving this one to Jamie Hayter only because I think that there are so many ways you can book uh, what would happen if Jamie Hayter takes an interim title and is still paired up with Britt Baker moving forward. I'm just picturing the promos right now with Tony Schiavone looking dumbfounded as Britt Baker makes slide digs to the actual interim champion of the women's division right to her face. Um, You know, it, it just writes itself to me. I think Tony Storm's momentum was absolutely derailed by the injury to Thunder Rosa because really I felt like that she was going to be the one to take this and now everything has been completely thrown out of order. Uh, so again, I'm going to go Jamie Hayter. And maybe again, that's me just being, you know, wishing for what I want to see. Um, but yeah, I think the Thunder Rosa thing has to be legit. I know that there's some whispers of concern because of backstage things going on with her and Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Um, but ultimately, to me, uh, it has to be an injury because there's no way coming off of what they just did with Punk uh, to have another major champion just mysteriously have an injury out of nowhere. Um, I think that, you know, we're just in an era where injuries are just much, much more prevalent because the medicine is so much better and they're actually looking for potential injuries. So uh, wish her well and hopefully they can get the backstage stuff sorted out because this was, uh, again, a hodgepodge mattress thrown together uh, largely because of, again, yet another AEW uh, injury that threw everything out of whack. Which leads us into the main event, the AEW World Championship. John Moxley, a champion versus CM Punk. I absolutely hate this main event largely because it just seems like Tony Khan trying to get his cake and eat it too. I mean, having John Moxley squash CM Punk outright in Cleveland, John Moxley's hometown, then go to Chicago, have Punk do a big promo where he's the wounded champion and his trainer coming out and telling him that he needs to get his shit in order and fight for the city, then having Punk run into the crowd of Chicago and talk about how Chicago tough he is, and now for wrestling a pay-per-view championship in his home city. I I think CM Punk's going to win this. Again, I said it before, like, he really didn't get a true title reign, and you're going to have to give it to him sooner rather than later. Now that he's legitimately proven my biggest concern with him, which is that he's in an advanced age where injuries are going to come sooner and sooner, and we need to see how well he holds up. So if you're going to have him have a title run, it's got to be now. Moxley, too. I will say I love the guy. I absolutely do. But, uh, you know, his routine, it doesn't make for a compelling champion. I, again, his his bulldog routine really does require him to kind of be fighting from under, not being a champ. As much as it is fun to watch him cut promos as a champion, which is something to be said, there's also the fact that what he performs on, in ring is just, you know, elevated garbage wrestling, um, you know, where... At any given moment, you're half expecting him to staple something to his forehead and, you know, spit blood. And and there's a time and place for that. I think it's great. But I don't really think that that's who you want holding your championship belt, particularly when you're in an instance where you have some concerns moving forward about your cable provider renewing your contract. You kind of do need somebody who's going to be the face of your org if you're looking to renew that. CM Punk fits the bill. He's still incredibly charismatic, still carries a lot of attention in areas outside of professional wrestling via social media and TV and whatnot have you. So CM Punk's going to take this one. He's going to win Chicago. He won't do the stage dive into the crowd, but he'll certainly celebrate to large fanfare. And that's how you end a major pay-per-view. So 
Those were my predictions for AEW All Out, the 2022 edition. Again, I hope to have Dan Abolden back the next time. But in the meantime, this has been Storebrand Keanu and the Hollywood Brunettes Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.